Praise God. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The word of God says that my people perish for lack of knowledge, for lack of understanding. And one of the things that I have seen, I've noticed over the last very several messages, sermons and whatnot, is that God is, is equipping us and giving us more and more tools uh, so, how, so that you know, help us to be victorious in this life. He's explain, having us explain things um, uh, so that we can totally understand what is meant by the word in the word of God. And he wants us to have a clear understanding that when we read his commandments, that we just don't take his commandments, oh well, God said to do this, but not fully understanding what that is, you know, what that means. And we live in such, such a hectic age in this day and age, time that we live in, and everything is rush, 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 and go, go, go. We all have so much on our plates and everything that sometimes it's difficult for us to retain the word of God, okay, to, to actually maintain and retain what we've heard in a, in a sermon or via a a podcast or message or tape or anything else sometimes it's hard for us to retain it and the word of God speaks very clearly about retention uh, in terms of, of seeds so let's just go to that parable of the sower which we're all familiar with and let's read through that uh, for opening here so that we can kind of set the stage for where God would have us to go uh, Matthew 13 Matthew chapter 13 and we're all familiar with the uh, the parable of the sower and what I'm going to get to is where Jesus is explaining what the parable means uh, because when he first stated the parable the disciples didn't quite understand where he was coming from so then starting in verse number 18 um, this is where Jesus uh, explains it and again this is tying into where we're living in such a hectic time today we don't have a chance many times to really understand God's word and to get it re- get it to a point that we can retain it so it'll be beneficial to us that's the, that's the key thing. If the word of God is not beneficial to us, then we're just reading the Bible the same way you would read, you know, Tom Sawyer or Gone with the Wind or something. It isn't meaning anything to you. So God's word is meant to be instructional for us. So starting in verse number 18, it says, Hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understand it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is which received by the wayside. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he that hears the word and immediately with joy receives it. Yet hath he not root, hath he not root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the care of this age and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he that received seed in the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, who also bears fruit and bringeth fruit, some can, uh, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So we see here the seeds being the word of God, and when it goes into that good ground and it bears fruit, that's the person that hears the word of God, and the word of God sinks in their spirits. Which you hear me pray many times in the opening prayer that that the Lord will will um, prepare our spirits that we may receive His words today. That's why I pray that every Sunday, because I want the words that you hear not simply to rest on the top of your head. Or on the top of the soil, so to speak, but to really get deeply planted in, into your, into your, into the, the into your, your, the soil of your spirit, so to speak. That's what this is saying here. Those seeds that are not deeply planted, as it says in the, in the preceding verses, there are those seeds that lay by the wayside. And if you think about seeding your garden, if you put all those seeds and try to, you're aiming for the soil, and the seeds wind up falling on the pavement or on the rocks. Those seeds are picked up by birds and they're eaten. So those seeds do not get buried into the fertile soil to grow and bring forth fruit. So it is with the word of God. If the word of God that is sown during a sermon is not picked up by you, but it's kept very much on the surface, then the minute you leave here, you know, and you hear me mention many times, by the time we get to Monday morning, we forget about what the Word of God said. And for what I've seen in some churches, by the time they get to the parking lot, they forget what the Word of God said because they're fighting over getting out of the parking lot. So, therefore, the Word of God must not have sunk, sunken in too much. So, the message here today, then, is to... God says that these seeds should be deeply planted in your spirit. Well, how is that done? How is that done? Okay, let's go to Joshua number one, Joshua chapter one. Okay, it 
kind of easy to say that, yes, I want the seeds to be deeply rooted in my spirit, but how do I get them there? Okay. Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Okay, now this was right after Moses died. And we're going to pick up in verse number 3. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 3. Okay, the first two verses talks about Moses dying and, you know, my servant is dead and so on. And then God is telling Joshua here, saying, in verse number 3, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your border. There shall not be, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. As a matter of fact, you can highlight all of verse number five, if you don't already have it highlighted. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall, for unto this people, shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate, underline meditate, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So the operative word there for today's message is meditate. God is telling us to meditate on the word. Okay, we're going to get it, looking at how is that supposed to be done. Go to Psalm. Go to Psalm. And I'm just touching on a, a couple of scriptures here today that talk about meditating on God's word. 63. Psalm 63. Verse number 1. Praise the living God. I mean, Joshua 1, verses 1 through 8, especially 3 through 8, 8 or 9 there, are such powerful scriptures to read about strong, be strong and have good courage, and no man shall ever be able to, to withstand before you, etc., etc. Those are always good reminders to reread when you're having a troublesome time, when you're having challenging things going on in your life. Those are wonderful scriptures, promises to God, that where God says, as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. Well, the same promise is made to us. Okay, um, number 63. Psalm 63, starting with verse number 1. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longs for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. See, there it is again, lifting up my hands. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. There it is about praising God. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate, underline the word meditate, and meditate on thee, uh, on thee in the night watches, because thou Thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. So in verse number 6, there again, the operative word is meditate. When I remember thee upon my bed, and meditate on thee in the night watches. So that goes to tell us then at some point in time when we're going to bed, in the night watches, we should be meditating on God. Okay, we should be meditating on God. Now, again, there are many, many verses that talk about meditation on God. But how do we meditate, you know, and, and just what, what is its meaning? We are a forgetful people, and God would have us to remember. 
Meditation begins with remembering, bringing back into our minds the truths and praises and promises of God. Meditation is pondering the word in our hearts, preaching it to our own souls, and personally applying it to our own lives and circumstances. It is how we sanctify our thinking and bring it into submission to Christ, taking every thought captive. So in other words, meditating upon God's word is taking God's word and then saying, how is that applying to me? Okay, it's one thing to meditate on something, but then you know if you're meditating on the uh, on the the, the the periodic table of elements, let's say you know maybe you'll remember every single element that's in that table, you know, or or, or or some other theory. You'll meditate upon it and you'll be able to memorize it. But how does that apply to me? How does that apply to the situation that I'm in? This is what God is talking about: meditating upon the Word. It's getting it deep down in your spirit and pondering on it, really thinking on it, and then thinking. Now, how does this really apply to me? You know, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, just that phrase right there, the Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean to me? You know, I've got so many things that's going on in my life right now. I've got so many issues. You know, I'm concerned about this. I'm worried about that. Well, the Lord is my shepherd. So what is a shepherd? And you start meditating on a shepherd. What, what's the role of a shepherd? What does a shepherd do? You know, a shepherd is someone that, that guides, someone that watches out for, someone that protects. You think of a shepherd overwatching sheep. You know, he protects them and guards against them. If a sheep strays off, that shepherd goes and gets for that sheep, you know, goes for that sheep. In one of the uh, uh, parables of Jesus that he talks about, if the 99 were okay and one sheep was to wander off, that one sheep is so important to the shepherd that he goes after it and saves it. So the Lord is my shepherd. So meditating, what does that have to do with me in the situation that I'm in? If the Lord is my shepherd, is he not going to watch over me in this situation? Is he not going to save me? Is he not going to come, you know, come, from me, come for me? Okay? So that's just one little example. And, and the word meditation means to muse and to wonder and dwell on, to think deeply about something, used literally, it means to murmur, mumble, or talk to yourself. Okay, literally, it actually means to murmur or talk to yourself. In a negative sense, it can mean to complain. In a negative sense, it can mean to complain. It is the idea that something has taken hold, has so taken hold of your thinking that you can't stop thinking about it. On the negative side, it troubles you and disturbs you and draws out a complaint. That's when something is really, and, and, and the Lord knows, when you've got something negative going on in your mind, it consumes you. I mean, all you do is you think about it, you know. And that negative thing then winds up coming into, how is that going to impact me? You, you, you know, people in this storm, this uh, terrible hurricane that's coming up uh, next, Mexico, uh, in the northern part of Mexico, I mean, uh, uh, you could probably find somebody up in Massachusetts wondering, gee whiz, how is that going to impact me? You know, if they sit around thinking about it and just meditating on it in a negative sense, that, that winds up becoming, that complaint winds up becoming all-encompassing. Okay? So, <clears throat> so we see that, but on the positive side, it captivates you and enraptures your thinking so that you dwell on it. This is the way that God, we want God's truth to lay hold of us so that we can't but dwell on it, so that it captures your thinking and finds its way into your choices and decisions, all right? So the same way someone might be dwelling on that hurricane, you know, you're meditating and you're dwelling on God's words, and, and, and that Lord is my shepherd, just to use that, that phrase there, just becomes so engulfed in your thinking that it impacts everything that you do. It winds up becoming a part of your thought process. The interesting thing in, in, is, again, that meditation, Meditation has found its way into so many uh, secular realms. Okay, I mean, over the years we've had, uh, back in the 60s and 70s, you had transcendental meditation. You had uh, EST Earhart seminar training, it was called, and I mean, and all sorts of other. You got yoga that gets into the meditation. I mean, and it goes on and on and on. On the demonic side, dealing with occult practices, you've got meditation on that also, but that meditation is done for evil purposes, all right? So it's interesting that, that, that so many other facets of life and societies have grabbed onto the concept of Zen Buddhism and so on, just to name a few, they've grasped onto the concept of meditation but we Christians, we read over those words in scripture, but we never stop to think about what does God really want us to do about meditating, okay? So, we read the word of God 
Okay, and then you put it down, and you're saying your prayers, you know, and something in there, when you're reading God's Word, when you're reading the Bible, there will be something that will jump out, out at you almost every single time that I've read it. I'm sure many of you can say the same thing. You're reading, something will jump out at you, you know. Meditate on it. Find out what that means. Ask Holy Spirit, Lord, would you please clarify what does that mean? And then how is that applying itself to my situation? If you've got some challenges and some troubles going on, there are so many scriptures, the promises of God. Um, Psalm 91, Holy Spirit willing, if we've got time, we'll touch on that a little bit. And, and you'll see there are so many scriptures that will fit your particular situation that's going on. So God would have us to meditate on those words. What does it mean? And as you're meditating here, I mean, this is, is one of the tools for drawing closer to God. As you meditate on God's words, you will see that there'll be more and more deep spiritual revelation that will start coming to mind. You'll start understanding things that you didn't understand before because the meaning of the words will become more clear to you. Uh, many times if you have a good Bible and you can do a cross-reference to a footnote that will, will, will cross-reference another scripture, you know, if you've got a concordance, you know, a cross-reference the word, um, get into looking at the root of the word. If it's in the Old Testament, the roots were in, in the ancient Hebrew, okay? New Testament is, uh, is Greek, you know, and so look up the, the original words if you can. And more importantly, though, ask Holy Spirit because the whole idea is to meditate, you know. Sometimes it is more beneficial beneficial to meditate on just a verse in the Bible than to say, I completed reading three chapters today. You know, you read three chapters today and your goal is to read three chapters. It's not doing you any good if you're breezing through reading three chapters and you haven't really gotten it deep down within your spirit. As this, the parable of the sower said, if you don't get those seeds deep within your spirit, that when the evil one comes, okay, with a challenge, then that, that knowledge that you heard gets quickly stolen away because you haven't meditated on it to get it deep within. All right? So you have to engulf it and so that it becomes so much a part of you. It is a word that is found often in the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms. And let's go again to Psalms 119. You'll see another one here. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse number 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I, have I declared all the ordinances of thy mouth. Uh, of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have, and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. So in verse number 15 again, there's the word meditate. Underline, please. I will meditate in thy precepts. Alright? Meditate in thy precepts. Meditate in thy precepts. And many times you'll hear me say, we want to go through, through today's message building precept by precept, precept by precept. All of God's words hang together, you know. None of his words are just exclusively off dangling someplace. They all tie in together. So again, with that meditation, what is the precept behind this? What is, it, what is that God is really saying to me? More importantly, again, how is this tying in to fit my particular situation? Again, reading the word of God, you will find so many times, especially if before you start picking up the Bible for the day, or for that time that you set aside for devotions or whatever it might be, that you pray. Right, Lord, as I read your word, you know, please reveal unto me those things that I need to see and hear and to understand. Help me to understand what you are saying to me through this written word today. Help me guide my thoughts, guide my mind, guide my, 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 my selection of scriptures, you know. And just telling God that you want to understand what it is that you're reading. And I guarantee you that Holy Spirit will direct you to those scriptures that will, will, will more closely, most closely fit any circumstances that you might have going on in your life. You know, they will actually, they will actually fit in. And then as you, you hit those, you, you run across those scriptures and you feel that quickening in your spirit, you know. And, oh, gee, wait a minute, this sounds like exactly what I'm... What, what 
what's going on. You know, this sounds like exactly what's happening with me. You know, this person at work, this person in school, this person in the neighborhood, you know, this person in the family or whatever it is that's going on. And then you zero in on that scripture and then you meditate on it. You meditate on it. You know, what is it about that scripture? How is it relating to what I'm saying? You, you know, you may, one word might not be clear in that particular sentence, in that verse. You know, search out the meaning of that word. But it becomes a part of you. And then it will stay with you even after you close the book for that session. And again, just to use the Lord as my shepherd. But you'll walk away from that time with God and you'll be thinking, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. So that when you go before anyone that's giving you a hard, a hard time or whatever or whomever it is in that particular situation, when that person is talking to you or when you're reading through that troublesome piece of mail, the scriptures will come back to you, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. And then it will come to you that what I'm seeing in that piece of mail, you know, where they're telling me, and to really use an extreme, that they're foreclosing the house. When you're reading that letter from the bank, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. It'll come to you that the Lord is my shepherd. So even though, if this foreclosure goes through, if it goes through, the Lord is my shepherd. Now as a shepherd, what is he going to do? Is he going to let any one of his sheep be homeless? Is he going to stop caring for you? Okay, because some men or, or some collection of men in the form of a bank declared all of a sudden that you're going to lose your house. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So that means that whatever goes down in this physical realm, the Lord is your shepherd, which is spiritual, which is much deeper and greater than the spiritual realm, I shall not want. So that means that whatever goes down, I shall not want for anything because the Lord who is my shepherd is going to provide. Amen? Do you think those sheep that are out there have to worry about where they're going to get their food from? Or who's going to care for them if the big bad wolf comes at them? Amen? 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 As the shepherd, the shepherd watches, watches diligently over his sheep. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall have a roof over my head. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall have another house. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be destitute. The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be living under the bridge. You know, The Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. You understand? So that's meditating on God's word. And having meditated on just Psalm 23, verse 1 there, if it's really been meditated on and it's engulfed, your, your, your spirit is engulfed in that phrase, that when something comes up, your mind immediately goes right back to that. The Lord is my shepherd. This is what meditating upon God's word is. All right, And God's word is so vast. I mean, that God's, God's word and God's promises. I mean, there are books out there you can buy all of the promises of God, you know, and I forget how many there are, several hundred, you know, but all of the promises of God. And there's a promise, there's a word that fits every single situation in your, li in your life. Every single situation. Amen? 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 I'm looking at some weight loss here and I'm getting back on the treadmill and there's a scripture that kept hitting, hitting me about that also you know this is my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit okay so I shouldn't be abusing it amen but I'm just saying to you anything that is in your life there's a word of God here that will get you out of that and the med that's what the meditation is amen and so and the other one is while you're in 19 Psalm 119 go to verse number 97 Verse number 97, Psalm 119, 97. And it simply says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Just underline that. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So again, this is referring to how that meditation is something that should be on your mind, you know. And, and you'll find yourself after a time when you get accustomed to doing that, is that you'll be taking a shower. You know, and all of a sudden the scripture will come into mind, you know, especially if there's one particular scripture that you've been meditating on recently, you know, it will come to mind. You'll find yourself that in, 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 if you if you realize all of a sudden one day that almost and I say almost because obviously your mind isn't going to always be on scriptures but you'll find that in idle times when you're not doing anything that much that you will hear the word of God you'll hear a scripture that will pop into your mind especially one that you've been meditating on okay okay and I mean obviously you got to think about doing other things in life but I'm saying you'll find yourself that when you've got a spare moment when you've got a quiet time you'll find that scriptures from the word of God will all of a sudden start popping into your mind, okay?
it. Now, if a scripture does pop into your mind in during one of those quiet times that you haven't normally thought about, okay, but if a scripture does seem to, quote unquote, out of the blue pop into your mind that you haven't really thought about, take a moment and go and find your Bible and find that scripture because the Holy Spirit may be trying to tell you something by putting that scripture into your spirit. Amen. But you'll find yourself, the more you meditate on God's word, you'll find that words from God's word will suddenly pop into your mind, kind of out of the blue, especially if you're driving for any distance, especially because your mind is kind of idle, you know, because you don't thank God we've gotten to the place. And I got to be careful how I say how I say this, that when you're driving, I don't want to say your mind's not on the road. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. All right. But the more you've driven, it kind of becomes, especially if you're kind of going to and from work or wherever you go on a regular basis, you, you, you literally don't sit there counting every street, you know, and, and watching it. You, you kind of are on autopilot. You will find then that scriptures will come into mind, you know. And if, again, if it's one that you haven't thought about recently, you know, I, I keep personally, I keep a, a thing of post-it sticky notes, you know, in the glove compartment on the dashboard near where I can reach them. And when those kinds of things pop into mind, I, when I get to a, 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 a red light, I simply grab one and right on the steering wheel, I'll jot a quick note to myself and then put it back because that's when you'd be surprised Holy Spirit may drop something in your spirit and then jot it down and then when you get back home, look it up and then meditate on it. If it doesn't seem to connect, especially if it's a scripture that God seems to have just dropped into your spirit, if it doesn't seem to connect, read it and then ask Holy Spirit, Lord, is this something to come? Is there something I need to do with this scripture? What's, what's going on? God knows your future. God knows your future. I don't know how many times I have heard sermons over the years, um, whatnot, where a message, it, it, it didn't seem to exactly apply to me that particular day, but it certainly did, if you will, almost predict what was happening to me during the week to come. Something would happen on a Wednesday, and, it, and, and the Holy Spirit will bring it back to my remembrance. Well, gee whiz, that's exactly what you heard in last Sunday's sermon. Amen? Amen? So meditating is getting that word deep within in your spirit. Um, when we meditate, we think about God's word, we dwell on it, and then as opportunities arise, we preach to ourselves. Okay? As opportunities arise, we preach to ourselves. We inject it into our thoughts as we make decisions, as we admonish and instruct our souls to choose right things and walk down the right paths. So in other words, what, what does that mean? When you're, you're, when you're, you're thinking about something and, and you're, you're meditating on a particular word of God, God's word, you take that and in preaching to yourself, you you, you kind of say the words right back to yourself, you know. In other words, uh, take, uh, all of a sudden you get a pain. You get a pain somewhere, you know. And so you preach right back to yourself. Wait a minute now. First of all, you say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, it is written that with Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Okay? With Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Okay? And that's preaching it right back to yourself. Okay? You say, all right now. All right now. You know, self. Don't go falling for that. You got that pain, but the word of God says, with Jesus' stripes, you are healed. Okay, with Jesus' life, you are healed. Okay, there's the thing even about that scripture, Isaiah 53 there, is that, is that our, um, in the Old Testament where Isaiah is talking about Jesus' stripes and it says that, it says that you are healed. And then in the, in the New Testament where it comes, I think it's, if your memory serves, it's Romans, I believe. Don't hold me to that. But it talks about those stripes. And it's written there that Paul says, with Jesus' stripes, you were healed. You see? So in one time in Old Testament, before Jesus is saying that you are healed, and then Paul is saying later on, you were healed. Okay? Meaning that because Jesus was, was at that point, he, was, uh, uh, he had been crucified and resurrected. So it was a done deal. All right? We obviously are living in New Testament times, quote unquote, if you will. So what was done on the cross through Jesus' stripes and everything, that was done. That was done. So again, the meditation part of that is meditation is also preaching God's word right back to yourself. Right, you know, fear, fear pops up. Okay, wait a minute now. It is written that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And you're preaching that to yourself, to yourself. That also adds to you getting focused on meditating on God's word, where it becomes so much a part of your life. You know, um, any of us, a new car that you were 
hoping for. You know, Lord knows when I was looking for a car, I went to the dealership. I got those catalogs, you know, and got those brochures. I had it on my nightstand at night, and I'm going to bed reading through this thing. And even though I pretty much had my selection, I knew what I wanted to get. I'm still reading over it again. I'm on the Internet. I'm looking up this thing, YouTube, any videos that I can see that where I can see it in action and zoom in on things and whatnot. I mean, I'm meditating on that car. In essence, okay? All right? You ladies looking for dresses, or here I go with my red shoes <laughs> that you're looking for, preferred red shoes. You're looking for something, you're meditating on that thing, okay? And, and you'll, be, you'll be all consumed by getting as much information about that thing as possible, all right? That's where the Word of God needs to be in our lives, okay? Where we're, we're all consumed with it, where you're thinking about it almost every waking moment of the day. And when you get to the point that you're meditating on God's Word, and the reason that God told us that, or tells us that in so many scriptures, is because He knows, again, like I said earlier, as human beings, we're so forgetful. You know, we've got a million, God knows that we've got a million things going on in our lives, okay? But again, reading God's Word and getting God's Word into your spirit is not the same as reading Gone with the Wind, you know, or, or, or Tom Sawyer. All right, those, those books are not going to get you out of a trouble in life. They're not going to soothe a pain. They're not going to give you wisdom. They're not going to give you information on how to deal with people. The Word of God is our, is, is our manual for life. It's our manual for life. You know, you get a flat car in your tire, a, a, a flat tire in your car, flat car in your tire. That's interesting. That's interesting. But you, you get a flat tire or something more exotic, you, 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 you know, um, the, your pressure light comes on, like happened to my daughter the other day. You know, and you run right to your manual, you know, and you look up, what does that light mean on the dashboard? I had a fear, what do I have to do with it? Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. Things go wrong in our lives. You've got issues, you've got a family issue, you've got a, a job issue, a school issue, you know. You don't run to your automobile man, at least I hope you don't, go to your automobile man. You should run to the Word of God, all right? But if you've been meditating on that Word of God, chances are the more you meditate and the more you get of the Word of God in your spirit, that those pages to that manual, so to speak, all right, those chapters to that manual, you know, if, if you've changed the, like me with my uh, taillights, it's kind of an involved procedure to replace the taillights, I know exactly what page that's on in the manual, because I've been there so much, I know exactly where to go in the manual, you know, so it's the same thing with our lives, you know, when the things happen in our life, you know, a healing, there's a pain, there's a sickness, there's, there's, there's family issues and whatnot, you'll get to the point that you'll know right, right what chapter to go to in the Bible, you know where to find it. Why? Because you've been meditating on it. You've been reading on it. You see, that's why the Word of God tells us so much about meditating. And I just touched on a few of the scriptures that mention that. You do a, do a, a, a Google uh, or in your concordance, look up the word meditate, and you'll see how many scriptures are there. Because God knows that in order for us to really understand Him, my people perish for lack of understanding or lack of knowledge. Amen. To really understand him is to meditate on his word. Okay. It's not enough for us just to come to church and spend a couple hours on Sunday and hearing an uplifting sermon and some nice praise and worship music, you know, and fellowshipping one with the other. That's not enough. It's not enough. Okay. It doesn't end here. Okay. The devil is out there 24-7. 24-7. He's out there, you know. And sometimes I think he kind of sits by and just waits, uh, watching the clock. Okay, sister so-and-so's got another 20 minutes in church. Wait till she gets into the parking lot there. <laughs> that guy Joe that she hates is parked right in front of her. Watch this. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. So if you haven't meditated on God's word or what you heard in the, the sermon, the sermon that very same day could have been on anger. Amen. But that word did not get down into sister so-and-so's spirit. And the minute she gets out into the parking lot, I mean, it all, it all flies. It all, it all flies away. You know, and I've told you before that when I was an usher years ago, I mean, I've seen some of the, most sanctified sisters coming in with the biggest Bibles and whatnot, and so holy, and, and they get into church. They get there maybe five minutes late, and somebody's sitting in their seat. Okay, how quickly you forget how you see another side of sister so and so all of a sudden because someone's sitting in their seat. You see, but we need to meditate on God's word so that it's there for everything um, that presents itself in our lives. You know, you know this is the but this is the true essence of meditation. It is evoking the truth, embracing it, and embedding it in our lives. It means that we intentionally focus on recalling God's truth so that it might resound in our hearts and become, become that grid through, through which we, we sift or filter and measure our thoughts and actions. In other words, um, it, it's, it's kind of it's a, a, a check valve. Um, 
obviously, you know, thou shalt not steal, you know. So if you're in want for something and, you know, and the temptation comes there for you to rob a bank or whatnot, <laughs> that we we sifted. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just for those with those on the podcast, maybe listening, no one in this congregation has robbed a bank, so we're chuckling over something else. But praise the living God. Um, but but that that may go through. So what I'm saying is is that meditating on God's word is that when there is or if there was something like that to go through your mind or anything that may would be contrary to God's word with the meditation on God's word it becomes a filter through which you run your actions you understand what I'm saying okay before you act and do something God's words becomes a filter you know oh we got the Christmas party you know, I was talking about the proverbial guy dancing on the with a lampshade on his head and everything else you know you got this wild Christmas party. well the filter here is is that is that I do not conform to this world you know world the word says don't conform to this world um, this is what everybody else is it's just everybody else not smoking pot because the laws have made it so legal okay we Christians have a filter that we sift that through even though man's law may say it's, it's, it's legal okay that there's a law that we filter through in every other part of life this is what comes from meditating on God's word that the written word that's on those pages before you becomes so embedded in your life that it, it, it guides your actions it filters it filters your actions you know um, the Lord knows that on a on, on a secular level what would happen if we had no red lights on the roads? Okay? Think about it. Okay? If we had no red lights. All right? So the red lights filter the society's actions because they make you stop when you should be stopping. So that's a filter. All right? God's word is a filter for us. But if you don't know what those filters are, you know, you land on this planet, you're an alien, and you see a red light. You know what that red light means? You keep going. <laughs> okay? You keep going. You know, and then, wow, you know, you're in a whole lot of trouble. You see, so, so without those filters, without God's word, then our lives get so disheveled, you know, and, and so chaotic and just run amok because the devil is out there that's, that's guiding your life. You know, okay, he's prodding you on, he's whispering to you your failures, he's telling you where you're not going to succeed, he's telling you where you're not going to be able to do this, you know. Things will, 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 will pop into your life that were unexpected. Unexpected changes will happen in your life that are there. If you're, if you're meditating, or been meditating on God's word, again, it will filter your reaction. Okay? Your reaction won't, won't be fear. won't be prolonged fear. You get that new thing that comes into your life that you weren't expecting. At first, it may hit you like this. Oh, my goodness. All right? But as a child of God, unlike someone in the world who falls into, my gosh, you know, it falls into to, uh, to what I'm looking for, your depression and, and God knows what all. As a child of God, we bounce back because, again, we have these filters. We have the word of God we've been meditating on to say that this too shall pass, or the Lord is my shepherd. Or just because this unexpected change came in, my life is not totally wrecked because God says, God says, God said. But if you don't have those filters because you haven't been meditating and because you haven't engulfed the word into your life, then you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to deal, and the devil knows that. Okay? Believe me when I don't believe me, believe the word of God. The devil knows that. He knows that the, the child of God that is uninformed is the one that he can do the most damage with. All right? The child of God that is uninformed is the one that he does the most damage with. Because he gets in your mind, you know, which is where you make decisions if you're not being true. You haven't gotten to the point where you're letting your spirit guide your actions. It gets into your mind. He gets into your mind and gets you all disheveled and all scared and panicky. And, oh, Lord, the world's falling apart. And what, what happens if now I'm not going to be able to do this? I won't have this and so forth and so on. Okay? Meditating on God's word gives you that, that fortification, gives you the filter to keep it out. Meditation is a crucial Christian discipline and a vital means of grace that we must treasure and practice. But it is a discipline that takes time and effort. All right? It isn't something that we're just going to say, okay, I'm going to meditate on, time, on God's word. All right? You literally have to set apart some time to do this, especially in the beginning, so you can, you can make it until it becomes a habit to you, you. know, We're not all accustomed to just sitting down with the Bible at a given time, reading a few, reading a few scriptures, and then saying, okay, let me meditate. Meditate on this. It really, really takes time for you to say, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna." 
on purpose here, by design, I'm going to choose some scriptures here. I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to tear it apart. I'm going to, I'm going to tear it apart and meditate on it, you know. In essence, that's what we do here so many times. Many times we will read scriptures that you've all read, you know, for years and everything. But the whole purpose here is that many times when you read a scripture, you're reading a scripture, you know. But what we'll do here is we'll take a scripture and we'll, we'll dissect it. We'll take it apart. What, what does God mean in that phrase? What is that word meaning here? In, in, the, in the Greek, the real word is this, you know, and so it appears different times. So what is God telling us in the scripture? Because the whole thing is for you to understand God's word. So you have to realize that this, in King James, reading King James, this is the Old English translation. Amen? Amen? And so you need to sometimes find out the root word that was, that was meant there or used originally before you can really understand, you know, what it's, what it's talking about. You know, the word power in that verse that talks about, I, I give you all the power over the power of the enemy. The word power is shown there twice, but the meanings of those two words are two different things. The first power is authority. The second power is, are the powerful actions of the, of the evil one. Okay, but there's only one word used in English, and that's power. But there's two different meanings there, you see. So you need to be able to dissect God's word and understand what it's meaning so that you can apply it to your life, you see. And when you realize that that's saying that God has given me the authority to overcome the actions of the enemy, that says a whole lot more than simply reading. I've given you the power to overcome the power of the enemy. And I'm paraphrasing a bit. All right? So knowing that I have the authority means that, gee whiz, that devil that's bringing this chaos into my life, he has no right to be there. And I have the authority given by the name of Jesus. God says I have it to stop that action. I've got the authority. So that means then I don't have to sit back and take this stuff that's going on. Why should I be thrown around, you know, you know, like, a, like the, the, the sin, the, the, the sea uh, tossed around by wind or, or whatever it might be, that I have the authority to put a stop to that, you see. But if you're not meditating on God's word, I mean, that might be a scripture you might want to meditate on, you know, so that when something comes up into your life, some evil presents itself in your life, some issue that's giving you a hard time, be it a person, be it a thing, be it a situation, an event, or whatever that's going on, you say, well, wait a minute, I have the power, I have the authority to put a stop to this action. You see? Because you've meditated on the Word of God. Therefore, that particular scripture has become a part of your life, so to speak. It's become a part of your spirit. It's become that filter. You know, think of it like a, a sieve, you know, or, or, or a, what a colander, colander that you pour things through for cooking, you know. You picture that, you picture the Word of God there as a sieve. As you're, these actions are coming into your life and it's going through this sieve and you're filtering out, you know, here, oh, wait a minute now, you know, this is not in accordance with God's Word. This is my actions. I'm not going to just jump on it and go along with the program. Amen? Amen? So we have to get to the point that we're, it's, it's a crucial Christian discipline that takes time and effort. And effort. Accessibility can never beat intentionality. Alright? Accessibility can never beat intentionality. Don't assume that having God's word close at hand means that you have it close at heart. Okay? Okay? Alright? Don't assume just because the Bible is easily accessible that it's close to your heart. And, you know, I mean, we've all heard the stories, and maybe even years and years ago, you may remember someone that you knew had a big old Bible on the coffee table, you know, and, and how often was it even used, you know? I mean, you can have a Bible in your briefcase, you have a Bible in your, your, your shirt pocket, you know, in your back pocket, okay, but if it's not in your heart, then there's no sense in you having it. All right, so there's a big difference, all right, big difference, all right, because when the devil comes into your life, you know, you, you think about all the different things that have popped into your life over the many years, you know, something that was troublesome, be either by phone, by mail, or someone saying something to you, were you ever able to say, hold on, pause, you know, like make the world stop, freeze action, and go and run and find your Bible, find the scripture, okay, now you can pick up, no, life does not work that way. When things come into your life that are negative around those corners, telephone, mail, someone's voice or whatever it may be, you need to have God's word in your spirit, in your spirit. All right? All right? Having it nearby in a book is not going to help you. It's not going to help you. And again, one of the ways of getting it there is by your, your meditating on it. You need to carve out a time in your day to remember, a time to ponder, and a time to preach to yourself. All right? 
So again, that is reciting back to yourself the word of God, you know, especially applicable to things that may be happening in your life right now. You know, you know, you got something going on that's troubling you or something going on that's positive that you're praying for and you need reinforcement for that. Then you need to find those words of God, word, words of God that apply to that situation, that thing that you're praying for. And you need to preach it back to yourself. You know, preach it back, you know. You know. Um, the reason that I do these podcasts is not to say, oh, look at Genesis 1, not at all. The intention is that when people um, download these podcasts, which according to the statistics, there's more downloading of the podcast than actually reading them, listening to it online, uh, is so that you can play it back in the car. Play it back on your MP3 player. All right. You know, there have been times that I've played back my own message when there's a particular thing going on, and I look through the list and say, "Let me rehear, rehear this message." You know, and even me hearing it, which is my listening to it, which is kind of me preaching to me. You'd be surprised I get a different perspective, you know, because my hearing it, sitting and listening to it, is different from my hearing it as I'm speaking it, if that makes sense to you, you know. So, so even there, it's, it's me preaching back to me, and you need to do the same thing. As the Word of God gets into your spirit, you need to, to recite it back to yourself. Preach it back to yourself. Carve out a time in your day to remember, a time to ponder, and a time to preach to yourself. One of the greatest things, and we don't often do it, and... Matter of fact, my wife and I are just talking about it in the car and looking at the rain and this beautiful rainy day. It'd be a nice day to kind of get back and relax and, and find something. We talked about maybe a good movie or something. But even on a day like today, kick back and have a cup of tea or something and read the Word of God and do that pondering, okay? Especially if there's something going on in your life. Especially. You've got something troubling you or something that you're dealing with, something that you're praying for that's on a positive note. Take a day like today where you don't have to go to work, you know, and everyone's kind of relaxed and stuff. There's no soccer games going on with, foot, with the Little League. I don't know about football, what's happening there. But cut out some time and, 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 and meditate on the Word, you know. Time to ponder, time to preach to yourself. The world around us can too easily choke out what is needful and good for our souls. All right, Remember the Word of God there in the uh, parable of the sower, where it says that there is one type of person that hears the word of God, but because he is so concerned with worldly things, it chokes off the word. Remember that was one of the situations there? Chokes off the word. Okay. So there's that person that hears the word of God, but because they're so concerned about worldly events, what's happening on the world, I don't mean necessarily politics or wars, I'm talking about the things that are so important on a secular level, that the word of God, what God is saying, or from a godly level, you know, he's more interested in the world that it chokes off the word, you know. So in other words, you know, I want to be well liked in the workplace. You know, I want everybody there to love me. I want everyone to say that Michael's such a great guy. So every single thing that pops, every single party, every single little joke that they may stand around the coffee pot talking about or water cooler, you know, you know that, 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 that's, that's quite blue, you know, a, a joke that is not something that you want to be hearing. You know, but yet still you stand and you listen to it because you want to be accepted, you know, you know or you, particular, you know, participate in some gambling thing they got going on. Because you want to be accepted, you participate, all right? But that filter that I have in meditating on God's word tells me what I shouldn't shouldn't be involved in and what I should not be interested in. So that's a thing of the world. That's a thing of the world. So if I, in other words, so if I come to church and I hear the word of God, and there's a good message in there, all right, and then I go to the office environment and there's all this ungodly stuff going on, and I'm so concerned about being involved with that because I want to be liked, I'm choking off the word. Okay, that's what that scripture is saying. Because I want to be so liked and be involved with the worldly things, to be like them, to be accepted, that the things of this world choke off the word. Okay, because the word that I might have heard that past Sunday was talking exactly about not involving myself as a child of God, not involving myself with those kinds of activities. Okay, okay, but because I'm so concerned about that, I'm drawn into that, and the word of God that I just heard gets choked off. Okay, so if the word of God then is choked off, all right, so then I can no longer benefit from that word, all right, and the enemy knows now that I will not benefit from that word because I haven't heard it any longer. I've choked it off. It's been choked off. So therefore, I cannot bear fruit. Remember the ending scriptures there said, so that you will bear fruit? Okay, so the one that bears the fruit is the one that hears the word and is deeply planted in the word. That's the one that bears fruit. If that word gets choked off and is no longer part of my life, it's like, it's like the seeds that were planted in me that Sunday 
because I wanted to be like the guys and be accepted, and I went and participated in those secular things that are counter to God's words activity, those seeds that were planted, they were like dug up. <laughs> you know, they were dug up. No way are those seeds going to flourish and grow, grow fruit, fruit in my life because they've been choked off. All right? All right? So that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to, do, we don't want to be so concerned with this world that, that we wind up having the word choked off from us. Because the minute it is, then we open the door for the devil to come in and sow more of his um, uh, 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 weeds. You know, you know, and the interesting thing about weeds and fruit, you know, if you had some some nice flowers and things that are growing and the weeds grow in, what winds up happening? The weeds kill off the flowers. Okay, the weeds cut off the flowers. Okay, and interesting thing about weeds also is that, you know, you know, flowers need a lot of care. We had roses one time in one of our houses, and go oh boy, oh boy, what a what an interesting thing that was. Oh gee whiz, you know we we are not, and there's nothing wrong with gardening, nothing wrong with farming. God bless those of you who are gifted at doing it. It's just not one of the things that we're good at doing, you know. And those roses were a trip to maintain; they really were. But all that you did with the roses, and they were beautiful and everything like that. But you pull up the weeds, and they come right back. Weeds don't take any attention. You don't have to feed them. You ain't got to fertilize. You have to do nothing. They just grow. They just grow. They just grow. Okay? But so it is with sin. And so it is things that are counter to the Word of God. Okay? The Word of God takes, you know, being in line with the Word of God takes, takes some effort. It takes some nurturing on our part to make sure that we're, you know, you're, we're doing what God wants us to do. But the weeds that are sown by Satan into our lives, they don't take much care. All we got to do is let ourselves go. We just need to stop being vigilant. We need to just stop for a moment being a watchman on the wall. We need to just stop just for a moment and, and, and not focusing on what God would have us to do. And those weeds in our lives would grow up so quickly without any care at all. Without any care. It doesn't take anything. It doesn't take anything. And, you know, I mean, you can go into Winco and there's an opportunity for a weed to grow. Let that person cut you off when you've been online, you know, okay? That's got, got two carts of food, you know, piled up to the hill, you know? And it takes all the willpower in your, in, in, the, in your spirit there, you know, to just sigh and say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you know, praise the Lord. Okay, it takes all the willpower in the world to do that, okay? So how quickly that weed could grow if you let it, amen, amen? So this is why, again, you have to make sure that we're, we're meditating and taking time, taking time to do that, um, cutting aside for some. The world around us can too easily choke out what is needful and good for our souls. Don't allow God's truth to slip away from you. Be intentional and diligent about your meditation. Alright? need to be intentional and diligent. You know? And just to cover just a bit in closing here, just a bit of Psalm 91 because there is so much in that one psalm alone that you could meditate on. I mean, this is a wonderful scripture to, to start, if you want to start practicing, if you will, meditation. Psalm 91. Because there's so much here that can fit one situation if, you, uh, one situation if you're struggling or have something that's on your mind or there's something to be done, whether it be it positive or negative. This is a wonderful scripture. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, even that very first, ver- first verse. He who dwells, you know, so you sit there and you're meditating on this. What does the word dwell mean? You know, that means live. So he who lives, you know, it isn't, it isn't a passing thing, you know, you know. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High is not the occasional churchgoer, okay. And when I say occasional church, I'm not talking about missing church because you're on vacation or because you're sick or anything else like that. We all miss church from time to time. But he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, in the Most High there, um, what, what is the Most High? Most High, if you look up, look up the meanings of the words there, is really... It's El Elyon, one of the names of God, El Elyon. You know, God is El Elyon. There's uh, El Shaddai. You know, there's Elohim. You know, there are a number of names of God. But this is El Elyon, El Elyon, the Most High. He who lives in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So why is this a secret place? Well, it's a secret place, meaning that this is a place that is only known by God. 
which means that the devil can't find me there. Okay, evil can't find me there. Okay, the situations, the evil things that might pop up in my life can't find me there because I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. So that means the shadow of the Almighty is it's a covering. It's a covering. So God has a covering over you while you are living in the secret place. You see, now, living in that secret place can be whether you're driving to work, whether you're going into the store or whatever it is to you, wherever it is you are physically going, spiritually you are dwelling in the secret place of God. So evil can't find you there. Then it says, verse number two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. You notice the military implications here, I will say unto you, he is my refuge and my fortress. What is a refuge? A refuge is a place of safety. It's a place of safety. A fortress is something, is some place that can, can ward off the attacks of the enemy, you know? So you kind of, every time I've read this over the years, I mean, I always pictured an old-fashioned medieval fortress, you know, where I was in this rough stone carved thing, and I'm sitting there, you know, with those little small windows they used to use to just shoot arrows or whatever through, and I'm looking out and I'm seeing the enemy trying to storm in, you know, and he can't even find me. Because he doesn't know where I am. Because I'm in this secret place. And God is my fortress. So God has surrounded himself round about me. Okay. He, what does it say there? It says that he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. So while I know that I'm in that fortress there. And the enemy can't get to me. They, know they can't even find me. And they couldn't get through if they could. In him I trust. So I can sit back and drink my hot tea. I can sit back and not worry. I don't have to worry about Monday morning because all of those people in that meeting that's coming to, God has me. God has my front, he has my sides, he has my back. So I don't have to worry about this because I'm not going to be attackable. They can't even find me, you know. So therefore, when I go in to give that presentation or when I give in to talk about this or to say that, any attacks, they're not even going to be able to attack me because God is my fortress, he's my shield, and in him do I trust. Okay? All right? So if you're trusting God, excuse me, so if you're trusting God and, and you're in that fortress, then all of the cares of this world get lifted off your shoulders. You know, I don't care what that might be. It could be planning for the future, where things for the future coming ahead look, look, look tight. You know, you've got concerns about where things are going, how things are playing out, whatever that might be. If you're, you're in the secret place of God and you're trusting him, then it's all going to go well. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Now, snare of the fowler, if you don't have it underlined, underline it, but the snare of the fowler, what is a snare? A snare is a trap. Okay, a snare is a trap. In this case, it's talking about a fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R, which is referring to birds. So it's talking about a bird's trap, you know. But if you can picture that, the devil does the same thing with us. He loves to trap us. He loves to trap us in things, you know. That's why you've got to be so, for care- so careful about, about, about going for things which, are, which, which appear to be good. You know, this is why we need to, to pray about jobs. We need to pray about where you're going to live. Pray about a house because it may appear to be good, but it could be a snare of the fowler. You see, so if we're not, not letting God guide us in where we're going and things that we're bringing into our lives, we could be walking into a, a trap because that's all the devil loves to do. The devil tried to trap Jesus when he was in the wilderness there. You know, try to trip, trick him into, into saying that he, or believing he wasn't the son of God and trying to get him to do everything that God's word was, was talking against doing. Amen. So there, again, that's another meditation point. We'll just read a couple more of these verses here in closing. But he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt, uh, shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pest- that pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes in the noonday. Amen. Now all of that says so much too. He'll cover you with his feathers, and under the wings shall thou trust. Now, covering with his feathers, again, kind of a farming thing here, but you know, you may have seen pictures of those of us who are not farmers, but how does a mother hen protect her, her chicks? Covers them with the feathers of her wings. Okay, so that's protection. So you kind of picture yourself, picture yourself there, you picture yourself there under the covering, under the feathers under the feathers of God this is a uh, uh, it's an allegorical thing if you will just giving you an example of God always writes in ways that people can understand and so people were farmers in that day so they could certainly understand what that meant it says thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flies by day to be worried about night terrors things that come up in bad dreams
dreams or whatever. You know, don't be afraid to go to sleep at night, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for destruction that wastes at noonday. All right? And then I'm going to close here. But a thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near thee. And just stopping there, which simply means that no matter what's going on around you, no matter what's going on with other people, you know, one of the easiest ways to think about that is everyone in your section is getting laid off. Everyone in your section has gotten pink slips put on their desk and everything. A thousand may fall at your left hand, a thousand at your right hand, but they will not come near you. So just because things are going badly around you does not mean that things are going to be, that's going to be happening to you also. Amen. That's, that uh, uh, particular psalm, you continue reading through. I would suggest later on today, if you wish to, you know, read it through and you'll see that there's so much there that you can do your meditating on and start the meditation process. All right? This is a part of God's word that really requires some discipline, but it is so important because the word meditate is mentioned there so many times in scriptures that we can't just read God's word and just simply say, okay, I'm done for the day. You know, you, you get one of those reading plans that so many, especially so many Bible, um, uh, uh, computer Bibles have, you know, and, and are, uh, uh, what do you call it, iPads and so on, have so many reading plans you can get. The reading plan is great. Today is, you know, October 25th and read, you know, Psalm 24. Usually it's a psalm. It's an Old Testament verse and then a New Testament verse. You read through those and if you do that, you'll be done in 365 days. Okay, great. So you stuck to this plan. You've read through. You completed the Bible. What did you meditate on? What did you meditate on? Now, what I would do, if you want to use one of those reading programs, use those programs then at least to point out those scriptures that you could meditate on. But just don't read them for the sake of reading them just so that you stay in line with your Bible plan. Amen? Amen? So praise God. I could go on and on and more and more on this subject, but praise the Lord. You have enough uh, food for thought here to take you in through the rest of the day and the week ahead of us. Amen? Think on it. Pray on it. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.